Welcome to Success Authority's Conversation Street with Leadership Authority, Peter Beaumont, and with Business Culture Authority, Ron Lehman, and me, Linda Ruland, Success Authority's founder. Do you think that people make a conscious choice one way or the other when they first enter a business? No. No, I don't think they do. I think they have an idea uh, for a product or a service and, or they just, there's something that they want to do. I mean, I, I just saw somebody over the weekend who is kind of an entrepreneur and trying to start this business, but it's, she's now thinking about the business part of it. What she was thinking about in the beginning was this product she's creating. Yeah, That's what she was focused on. And now it's like, oh, how do I, how do I bring this to the world? How do I sell this? And she wasn't thinking about that going in. But I'm sure there are people who think about the business first and then figure out, well, you know, here's a great, I know all the marketing, I know how to do this. Now we just need something to market. So I, I think it's both ways. I think most businesses do that. They just start with a great idea and then, uh, and just, and if they survive, you know, like only 20% do after five years, then, then they start thinking about how do I want this to look like? You know, how big it, do I want to hire people or do I just stay on my own with a couple of buddies or is it a family thing or, you know, wait a minute, I could be onto something here, make a lot of money one, one way I could be on a lot of, Onto something here, make a lot of money and sell it and make even more money. So you've got a decision tree type thing that goes on after. But I, I think people are heads down for the first, don't even give a thought to that for the first yeah. five, seven, eight, year, eight years. I think that's true in most. I think a lot of times that's how people, including me, live is it, it's yeah. less conscious than it could be. I agree. We're making decisions based on the urgency or what's right in front of us, but not really thinking, what's the bigger picture? What does this serve? How it's are we, it's the same where in do career. I want to end up? It's the same in careers, right? True. Yes. In truth, you start in one direction and then all of a sudden you find yourself by you accident or connection in yeah, some sometimes entirely you different place. Because it, it's working and others you take another direction because it's not. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And or you come, you know, it, it works and then you come to a choice point and you, for whatever reason, you're at a place to be more um, thoughtful about it. Right. And say, so which way does this way lead and which way does this way lead? Or And, and typically there's like five ways. Yep. It's not just two. You know, it's not the crossroads. It's my God, there's like all these different ways. And um, I know it, in my business for years people have said you know it's really important to be known for one thing get really focused and that makes it easier to buy and easier to engage with people and i have unconsciously resisted that because i'm just curious that i it goes in a lot of different directions and no matter what whatever i do i'm sort of at some point want to do something else not way out of what I do, but it's just like, okay, focus on this part. Well, now what about this part? And then I could do this part. And I think early on that was driven by opportunity. 
It was somebody wants me to do something, and I said yes. Um, and now mm -hmm. I'm being, I think, a little more thoughtful about what do I, you know, what interests me, and what can I bring some energy to? And I, I think that's a a small version of what every business person goes through. I agree. And, and I would just say, the sooner, had I been more consciously choosing earlier on, things might have turned out. I don't know if they'd be better, but they'd be different. <laughs> but, you know, as we like to say, this is how I've turned out so far. It, it's a tough one, though. Um, this n going niche. I mean, I, I've I've been in and out of that niche thing, and finally I did go niche, thanks to really EOS. Mm -hmm. um, but but it's a, it's really a tough one. Um, but I think I think what I'm hearing and thinking myself while we have this discussion is because you said it just now and i alluded to it earlier this whole thing is is a a set of um decisions we make and there's you can probably boil it down to four or five that a business is going to take um once they reach a certain stage um and and it was some of those i described is it am i going to just is it all just about money am i going to stay niche am i going to expand and acquire other uh but what am i doing it for <laughs> what's the end goal is it to make yeah. money or is it to bequeath it or yeah. is it just because i really enjoy doing it so i i had a client once say this line that i have you know just beaten to death for you know 25 years but it was what does finished look like yeah and she would ask that at the beginning of every meeting Every project, what does finish look like? Mm. Or every conversation, you know, it's like, where are we going? And I yeah. found that to be really helpful to say, here's the goal. But, you know, something you said, Peter, just struck me that I think it's never a clear line from startup to growth and no. then through growth. And depending on the number of turns and twists and turns and stumbles and restarts that you've done, I think that almost reinforces that making um, decisions as quickly as possible or without a real goal. Like this isn't working, so we'll do this. Uh, as opposed to saying, you know, what are we trying to accomplish? And I think the sooner that we are conscious about that, the better. Yep. But if, you know, it would have been great to be asking all these questions right at the beginning, but the next best time is right now. It's like now, <laughs> wherever we are, um, I'm a big fan of consciousness. I, I just think every time we really take a few, you know, it, at the risk of sounding like you have to spend, you know, two weeks on an island thinking about it, you don't. You need to just take sometimes five minutes to yeah. just say, where do I want to, where do I want this to go and what's my likely path? And I think that's the challenge Um for any leader who's, especially in the startup phase, they're busy and they're doing things and trying things and scrambling and um, to then step back and take a deep breath is important and difficult to do, I think, sometimes. Yeah, I think you're right, because um, a lot of the clients I've worked with on EOS, uh, they needed it because they had no, um, we made some assumptions that the resultants, that every, every business owner had a vision and they wanted to get yeah, and what what was the preventing them to get there? I, I I learned very quickly that most businesses don't have a vision. 
Right. Yeah. They're doing exactly what you described, Ron. It's one step in front of another. Yeah, um, get through today. Yeah, that's, which that's... is what that client is like that you've introduced us to, Linda, and we had a discussion with. Yeah. That's all that we're trying to do. They're trying to get through from one hour to the next, let alone day to day. Right. And then yeah. untypical of, of a lot of businesses, a lot of businesses. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's you get so busy plugging the holes in the boat that you don't really yeah. say which way are we headed yeah. Yeah. i mean are we just kind of floating around even, i'm or? not sure i want this bloody boat well <laughs> yeah that's an even bigger one it's like maybe it's time to sell but right. um but linda what i mean you've had um a varied career what what's your experience been as you think about yourself in that role well if i look back and say could i have ever imagined myself in this position let's just say fresh out of college. No, no. I think experience brings a great deal into the mix. We change everything that uh, we encounter changes us. But at the same time, our decisions are what carves out whatever it is that we produce, whether you want to call that a legacy business, a business or a lifestyle business. It's the decisions that we make. And I know that the decisions that I've made, either informed or ill-informed, have really shaped what business turned out for me to be, the ups and the downs. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that the biggest mistake, if I look back at things, was to say that this picture that's out in the distance needs to have um, some more time spent before I go there. I, I've got to try A, B, and C first because it'll be easier to get there. Or if, and I keep hearing this one, if I start small and if I do things right, it'll grow into the, the thing that I imagine. And I have never seen any evidence of that to be true. That's, and so that's very I telling. Like, I think that is accurate. I like your what does finished look like statement for that reason, because unless we can see the end result in our mind, the destination is nothing but a blur. Yeah, I, I don't I mean, as you were saying that, I just thought I, I don't think I mean, I, I remember you used to read about, you know, five year plans and, and the Japanese at one time were doing 50 year plans. And I thought, I don't do that at all. I mean, I was, I had a really short timeline and part of that was I, I didn't spend a lot of time early on thinking about where do I want to end up? It was more, what do I want to do today or tomorrow? Or what's the opportunity today or tomorrow? It was not, um, I wasn't making a conscious decision based on a vision because I didn't spend any time doing that. Mm -hmm. um, and you're right. I mean, every decision you make, twists and turns and i don't think i would trade much of it it's been all invaluable because um i think i've learned through those experiences more than i would have if i'd have set out i, I and but it would be it, i think it's an interesting conversation to have with business owners to talk about when you started what were you thinking about you know what was the what was the goal how, how many because i suspect most don't have a long-term plan no otherwise the first thing we do when we graduated from high school is fill out a will yeah yeah true yes. no but all right no we don't 
We don't. We don't. We, and as I said, it's the same analogy with careers. People don't come out of, you know, I mean, by the way, the long-term planning stops pretty much after university. I mean, because the goal is to get three exams, go to university, and then it kind of, now what? <laughs> well, you know, the, 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 a little side trip here. I'm fascinated by, uh, it seems like people, younger people are er, much earlier on in life setting on a path towards a specific job. Mm-hmm. So in in middle school or high school, they're doing things that will prepare them to go to law school or prepare to do something. And I, you know, when I went to university, my, I found that the experience was to try a lot of different things and take all these different classes and figure out, you know, gee, I'll take this. Gee, I hate that. Um, I'm not doing that. I have no interest in that, but it seems like now you, there's a pressure for to get set on a path and stay on that path. Uh, but, uh, so you've just said it, pressure. I was just going to say, is it their choice or somebody else's choice? Yes. Well, they certainly seem to get a lot of reinforcement for the ideas. You've got to make decisions when you're 13 for the next 20 years. So I agree. And here's what I think is happening. The cost of education is so high now in this country that we are seeing, I think you may have heard me say this before, we're getting kids moved out of soccer because there's no such thing as a soccer scholarship. So they're being moved into other sports. The driving force behind that is they may stand a 0.1% chance of getting a scholarship to erode the cost of their education. And yeah. so the decisions being made, I agree with you, but the reason I think is because of the cost and parents going, shit, we're looking at. 35 grand in state, 45 to 50 to 60 out such state. What's a way that we can? And so they're making these decisions early for kids who, who don't necessarily buy in. Yeah. <laughs> and so much of it seems to be driven too by having more choices of yes. colleges or programs yes. or, yeah. I mean, but just the cost. I mean, I, when I started, it was a thousand dollars a year for <laughs> tuition and books and you know, I, I lived at home, so it was a commuter college, so I didn't have that expense. But I could fool around and try a lot of things. But if yeah. you're paying $45,000, you can't take a geology class because you might be interested in rocks. Yeah. Um, you, you have to stay on this trail, and I think that that's unfortunate because I, I found the advantage of a big school was they offered everything. Right. And I could try, you know, I, I recently and troublingly came across my transcript and the first two years, I mean, it, it, there's no path at all. It's like, well, he's just throwing a dart at the, at the course books and just picking one because it's all over the map and, and, mm-hmm. uh, with grades to, to match. Um, but it, it's so, you know, I just imagine, so maybe they're set on this path to do something and then they you know get an idea to start a business but their whole pathway has been going somewhere else that must be a very difficult and courageous decision to make Mm -hmm. after spending all that money yeah and i just recently heard some statistics about the payoff for that in terms of lifetime earnings and it's kind of all over the map Um, some schools it's a great payoff Others, it isn't. 
But, um, you know, I was, my doctor mentioned once how, you know, you go through all the med school and everything. And the the idea is, well, you're a doctor, so you're just going to be floating in money. And then the healthcare industry changes. And it's like, you know, there's a, I think his example was a plumber probably makes more money than he does. Um, well, there's just... something to be said about that because, you know, on the flip side of this cost of higher education, there is this employment shortage and there are a tremendous amount of vocational jobs available that will bring people in at zero experience and bring them up, train them into whatever their vacancy requires. Mm-hmm. And a lot of young people are looking at that and choosing that pathway. And I'm not saying that that's the path that they're going to stay in, but that may be our future employer. That may be our future business owner when and if that person finally says, enough of this, I've got my own ideas. So Mm -hmm. once again, we've got these people coming from very diverse experiences with um, who knows what shaping the the business to come yeah and i'm you know futurists are always telling us that you know 50 percent of the jobs that will be available in 10 years don't exist today so when you set off on a 10-year plan i i don't think anyone's even aiming at those jobs because who knows what they are and i i was with a group of construction folks last week and they were all talking about the the lack of skilled trades you know, you can't find carpenters and, and, you know, if you, if you've got a, a young person who's not sure what to do, I say, become a welder because yeah. Yeah. they are in such demand and they can write their own ticket pretty much. And, um, sure. but it's, um, so, I mean, even going into it, you've got all kinds of barriers to the stuff we're talking about of being, you know, saying really, what do I want to create? Uh, Where do I want this, all this stuff I'm doing to pay? What's the payoff for that personally? There's a 23-year-old welder that I know of uh, through one of the clients. He's earning 130000 a year at 23. So he's just going to keep going up and up. And and a lot of times they have enormous flexibility because if uh, a lot of them just work contract for organizations that don't need necessarily a full-time welder, but they bring them in on projects. So they're jumping around. They get to see a lot of different things. And if they're good at it, everybody wants them. And so they have a pretty high uh, earning potential to do that. But you got to like to weld too. So what we're talking about really is market. And what is the market hungry for? What is the next best thing that's happening out there that we can chase down. And again, it's it's short term in comparison to something you might want to call a legacy company. But is that the best way to proceed? And obviously, market demands and, and shapes so much of what we do. Um, obviously, there is a big part of what we end up creating and and crafting our companies around that has to do with the current market. So is that the best way to proceed? Hmm. I, you know, I have to say I'm, I'm of two minds of that. I mean, on the one hand, I think you do have to be aware of the market for now, but I think the other, the real opportunities lie in seeing what's not 
there that could be created um, or, you know, seeing the invisible market that, that, that is there. But, um, that, you know, there's a lot of examples of people who started companies that people looked at and went, you're crazy. I mean, who would want that? Um, you know, one of my, my, one of my favorite examples is a guy that I worked with who was um, one of his jobs in his early career was selling ATMs to banks and they were brand new at the time. And going into a bank and convincing them that it'd be a great idea to have an automated teller. And nobody, nobody in the banking industry was looking at that as an opportunity. They went, hmm. why would we do that? Who would want to do that rather than talk to a real life teller? <laughs> and nobody, I mean, banks didn't create ATMs. That was done by a technology company right. and said, hey, here's a use. Well, and it's the same with, you know, I mean, I think that happens all the time and not just technology. It could be a service um, right. that doesn't exist. And now we can't live without it. Um, I mean, I was just talking to an Uber driver and saying, you know, five years ago, uh, I, ride sharing had never occurred to me. And now it's like, I, you know, I just use it all the time. So, but whoever did that probably didn't go around and talk to people and say, what do you need? Um, there was, a, in fact, there's a story about the guy uh, from Callaway golf, who was the first one to invent the giant, the driver with the giant head. And they asked him how much, you know, research did you, did you talk to golfers? And he goes, well, yeah, but he said, nobody would say, you know what I want? I want a club that's got a head, the size of a toaster. That's what I'm really looking for. So what they told me is, I want to hit it straighter and farther without taking lessons. Mm. That's what they want. They wanted a club that would fix their swing problems. And he said, in a way, you can get trapped if you wait for the customers to tell you what they want. Yeah. Because sometimes they don't know. They well, don't know the solution. Yeah. They know what they want, but they don't know the solution. And you have to sort of present that. Well, that, that was Steve Jobs' trick, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's the thousand songs in your pocket, which nobody knew that they would want yeah. to suddenly yeah. it was used. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's the, and again, you have to be aware of what's in the market and, or what's not in the market mm -hmm. at the same time. But I, I'd be curious to talk to people doing startups is to say, how did you, you know, what, what did you think the need was, or was this just something, I mean, a lot of times it's just something that somebody really wants to do and they just hope that the market shows up. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Conversation Street. For more information or to schedule a private conversation with success authorities, email us at inquire at successauthorities.com.